Welcome to another podcast from The Raven Narratives. I am Tom Yoder. And I am Sarah Severson. I'm one of the co-producers, along with Tom, of The Raven Narratives. That is our role here. <laughs> That's what we do. That's our day job. Crazy. <laughs> one of our day jobs. <laughs> one of them. <laughs> yes. And we love to bring you stories. And we're about to bring you yet another story here in this podcast, as you are no doubt expecting. The story you're about to hear was told in March of 2017, when the theme for the evening of The Raven Narratives was trust. Don Rainey, who you'll hear this story from, is from New York's infamous Bellevue Hospital and moved his way to Durango, then San Francisco, Chicago, Santa Barbara, and back home uh, for the last 13 years in Dolores, Colorado. That guy gets around. I know. He's like a mover and a shaker. <laughs> He's a former mental health professional who now just needs one himself. Which <laughs> <Don't> we all? <laughs> I know, right? Uh, he's also a skier and a mountain biker, which you'll hear more about the skiing portion in just a few minutes. Uh, and he's never too busy to tell a good story. Here's Don's story. You know, I've told this story actually many, many times, uh, usually to just one or two people at a time. Multiply that by a couple hundred or something. Anyway, um, it has been suggested to me by some that I add a little spice to the story, you know? Bring things into it, you know, dragons or whatever. <laughs> uh, but the story really that, that I, I'm going to tell you tonight is, is actually the one that happened, so... Um, there's no extraneous stuff here. Uh, I, I really love to ski. I have ever since the first time I got on skis. So 15 years ago last week, I went to Lake Tahoe to ski with the big dogs from the Santa Barbara Ski Club. It's true, we called ourselves the big dogs. <laughs> So we skied several days together, and then they uh, got on a bus and, and went back to Santa Barbara. I had driven the eight and a half hours uh, up to uh, Tahoe in order to join them and decided that I was going to stay an extra half day and ski at Alpine Meadows. So, so uh, I did, and I skied in the morning, and, and it was really pretty crummy because uh, it was crusty and... Uh, just not good conditions. And then I heard that there was this place at Alpine Meadows called Estelle, which is this scary, steep, often not open area, but it was open. And I thought, okay, one more run before I have to go down to the parking lot and get in my car and drive eight and a half hours to Santa Barbara, where family is expecting me. So I went out to Estelle, and I'm standing... It's kind of near the northern boundary of, of uh, Alpine Meadows, and, and I'm standing at the top of a, st of a scale. It's really steep. It really is. Um, and, and I kind of looked over to the left. There's this little knoll over here, and there was totally untracked snow. I went that way. 
Mind you that it is not illegal to go out of bounds at Alpine Meadows. That is, it is legal to go out of bounds at Alpine Meadows. So that's what I did. I went over to this knoll and I looked at this incredibly beautiful, untracked snow. I said, I'm going to go this way and then I'm going to cut back to the right and I'm going to go way around there and I'm going to end up down in the parking lot. Good idea. <laughs> so that's what I did. I skied down to the left and then I cut back to the right and I skied. And it was great. <laughs> no tracks, just pristine snow. And then things kind of flattened out a little while later, and I, I stopped and I, I looked around. I don't think I'm where I'm supposed to be. Matter of fact, I don't recognize any of this. Where in the heck am I? Well, I'm okay because the parking lot's just a little further down and around the corner, right? So I kept going. No, no, I'm not going to go that way because I don't think I am going the right way. I think I'd better turn around. So I turned around and I started back and I said, no, no. Oh, it's so far back. I have to go this way. Turn around again. And this happened like three times, you know, indecision. Which way do I go? Which part of me do I trust? Well, I trusted the part that said, turn around and backtrack. Follow your tracks back out of here. It was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So I did. I, you know, I'm making my way through all of this, this snow that's really thick and, and, and heavy because it's along this stream bed, <clears throat> but I'm following my tracks. And it begins to uh, get a little dark. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? I am not going to get out of here tonight. I, it's just not going to happen. Well, this is really a problem. I'm supposed to be in Santa Barbara by midnight. I have family there that's going to be worried about me. I don't have any food. I don't have any water. I'm wearing my, my you know, Polartec vest and a Capoline shirt and my, my groovy cotton extreme skiing t-shirt. <clears throat> which by this time, uh, as I make my way backtracking, is soaked. So I took it off and I tied it around my waist or something. I had my parka there and I just tucked it into the parka. So um, it would dry. Cotton kills, you know. So I, I, I kept going as long as I could see my tracks and then I didn't know what to do because I really couldn't see them anymore in spite of the moon which had come up as the sun set and was up all night long. Thank you, Sister Moon. This moon, by the way, was um, closer to the earth than it had been in a hundred years except for one time. So it was extremely large and it was, it was wonderful to have. But I still couldn't see my tracks along the, along the stream bed, so I had to figure out something else to do. I did not want to stop. I wanted to stay warm. So I decided to make my, make my way up this, this shoulder in hopes of summiting a ridge and finding out where the heck I was. 
And I did. All night long. Nice and slow and nice and easy. I, you know, I was worried about becoming dehydrated, about losing energy, so I just took it easy. Well, I want to tell you, it was amazing. Going up the side of this ridge, passing from these huge snowfields lit by this moon, and then through these forest, dark, scary forested areas, and then back into the moonlight again, and back into the forest. Occasionally, the wind would rustle the, the pines, and <laughs> what's that? I actually, two times, took my ski poles and went <laughs> try to scare off whatever predator it was that was out there. Probably something rather small, like a mouse. <laughs> well, I, I continued to make my way up this ridge. And in order to occupy myself during, during this time, instead of being totally freaked out, I, I, in my head, I sang moon songs. You know, harvest moon, things like that. Moon shadows. And I also talked to the trees. You know, I read fantasy a lot, so I was going through these trees and I was thanking them for allowing me safe passage as I made my way up the side of this ridge. Well, at 2 o'clock in the morning, which was exactly 12 hours from the time that I turned around, I summited this ridge. And I looked out over the backcountry, and it was the most incredibly spectacular thing I've ever seen in my life. It was worth 12 hours of hiking to see this. But I still didn't really know where I was. So I looked around, and way, way out there, way out there, was the antenna array that I recognize as the one from Alpine Meadows at the top of Ward Peak. Well, I'm not going back to Alpine Meadows. I can tell you that. It is really a long ways away. How this happened, I do not know. But I still have to figure out a way. So I'm walking around. I'm back and forth on this ridgetop for maybe an hour, trying to locate things. And, and then the wind kicks up. And I thought, well, I better you know, get out of this wind, because I don't want to get cold or any colder than I already am. And, uh, I, th this whole ridgetop was strewn with, with uh, volcanic out, uh, rock outcroppings. And, and I found one that was, uh, you know, about this tall. And it was sort of coved out on one side to the northeast. So I crawled in there. And I took off my skis, because now they won't slide down the slope. And I turned my skis over, and I laid on them. I made a bed an oh-so-comfortable bed <laughs> out of my skis. And I, 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 I can't sleep. I'm just, I'm there, and I'm moving because I'm trying to stay warm. And I'm looking to the north, and all of a sudden I see headlights. There is no road there. Why are there headlights there? Well, they disappeared. And then they came back again and disappeared and came back. And I'm looking, and I'm looking at this, this slope over there, 
And it's like, maybe that, that looks like man-made retention over there. That is a snow cat. Yes. I think I know where I am. I think that that is Squaw Valley. All right, well, the sun rose, sky turned yellow and orange, and finally the sun came out. It was a beautiful day. So I clicked into my skis, and I looked across there, and it looked like it was about three miles, maybe, as the crow flies. But I couldn't go down into that valley again and lose all my altitude and then have to climb back out. So I had to go way out that way to the north, around the top of this drainage, to gain access to the slope on the other side. It took quite a while. And all the while, I was worried about the very possibility of a, of a search and rescue effort being mounted on my behalf. And then I heard, Well, I'll tell you what, if I had seen that helicopter, I would have dove under a rock. <laughs> because there was no way I was going to be rescued. I knew where I was, I knew where I was going, and they weren't going to find me. <laughs> so 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 24 hours after I turned around, I ducked the rope at the top of the Siberia chair at Squaw Valley and had a free ski down to the bottom. <laughs> I think my time is up. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Don, for telling that story. Quite an adventure. That was an adventure. Awesome. <laughs> you have an adventure story, I'm sure, to pitch. So go to our website at ravennarratives.org, where you can also hear more stories from our storytellers. And we want to invite you to subscribe to our podcast. You can go to uh, Stitcher, iTunes, or SoundCloud. Be sure to check out the photo gallery on our website. Again, ravennarratives.org. The photos there are taken by McCarson Jones, of Red Scarf Shots Photography. Find out more about her work at redscarfshots.com. She has been a longtime supporter of the Raven Narratives and does just an incredible job of capturing the personalities of our storytellers and her photography. As always, Raven Narratives is a production of KSJD Community Radio in Cortez, Colorado. You can find out more about KSJD at ksjd.org.